mentioned uh, Norfolk yesterday had a great time. Tay's going to come and give that. Uh, uh, not Tay, I mean TT, sorry. <laughs> and then the outreach had an outreach yesterday. Kurt's going to come. Let's give them both a hand. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Tay goes, huh? <laughs> Hello, I'm TT. For those of you that don't know, um, I got a privilege to be able to go to the Christmas banquet yesterday. Um, it was really fun, uh, and it was like a blessing, like especially like during the pandemic, to be able to like fellowship like with our sister churches and like baby churches and stuff. And like when you think about it, it's like, like mm, I don't know, I'm not explaining. Like you want to be able to open up yourself to go to like the events and like meet new people at the baby church because you never know like what type of friendship or like you know like what type of relationship you can build from that that you may need that you may not find here in this church or you know in the churches that you may go to but you know I just really encourage people to like when we have like um events outside of this church so you know explore it and you know meet new people so Amen. So uh, we had a really good time uh, on outreach yesterday. Gideon's army was out there, you know, breaking it down. But uh, uh, myself and Ray, we had some uh, very good interactions. Um, I was surprised, you know, because the, the way the apartments were kind of uh, set up, um, it almost seemed like you was going in like, you know, somebody's like yard to go. So I was you know, I was honest with Ray. I was like, man, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little nervous, man, because I, you know, people kind of get offended when you're like all up in their in their stuff. But um, uh, Ray was like, what do we do? And I was like, I'll just do it, man. Let's just do it. And uh, so we went in there, and the first lady we talked to, um, you know, this lady was saved, and it was it was great. And but you know, she was saying that she had, um, you know, she didn't go to her other church because there were some issues that the church wouldn't um you know deal with or give them a clear answer on and we were like well you know we're not about you know church bashing but you know you know it's important to be around other people you know church doesn't save you but it helps you to live for god where you build communities and and you fellowship and she was like yeah she was like well she was like the issue is uh you know my daughter she started dating another woman and another woman in the church and she was like well we didn't necessarily agree with it but she was looking for the church to you know really kind of back them up and she said the church wouldn't necessarily say anything about it or give a clear answer and and I was you know telling her that you know I said you know that's a little not necessarily difficult because God's clear on what that is but you know I said some organizations are just not um, there, but what I, you know, what me and Ray encouraged her is that, you know, don't let those issues push you away from the church because the, the more that you're away from church and the body of Christ, then you start to get weird. You start to, you know, and she agreed and, and things like that. And it was just kind of encouraging because we kind of had that hesitation going forward. And then God just gave us, you know, someone that we can minister to and encourage. And so after that, we was on fire. After that, we was we was, you know, telling everybody, you know, there was a there was a boldness. There was the the spirit of God was there. And we talked to this this one man, uh, David, for a, for a very long time. And, um, you know, he was he was very, you know, defensive and he was very. Um, 
uh, religious per se, but, you know, God helped us, the spirit spoke through us and, you know, ended up really having a good conversation with this young man. And, you know, we're believing God for him, you know, um, and believing that God would uh, continue to touch him. And so, you know, outreach is, is one of those things that builds you as a, as a believer. Amen. And, you know, I'm just grateful that we have the opportunity. We have a church like we do that encourages that, that pushes that, uh, because ultimately it builds something within us. So I just want to encourage you and give you that testimony, that victory report, because we believe that God's going to do something from the seeds that we sow. Amen. 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 If you get your Bible, Matthew 25 this morning, Matthew 25, I was reading a story about the duties and sacrifice of first responders. This is a wife telling the story of her husband. Uh, so I want to read this to you. It's a little, uh, it's a little long, so bear with me this morning, but listen very carefully to these words. Uh, amen. So my husband was one of three firefighters to save a family from an apartment fire. All three men won an award for the uh, award from their uh, county for their courage. But my husband, who is also an emergency medical technician, won't, ex uh, won't uh, be stepping up to receive the reward anytime soon. The ceremony was canceled because of COVID-19. I haven't heard a peep of complaint from him, nor will I. First responders won't like, don't like to be fallen over. In fact, they often refused even modest appreciation unless it's in form of baked goods. They shrug off praise and glory, even when glory inevitably finds them. Yet there are times when they can't shrug off hero heroism, uh, times when they can't hide from the public gratitude. The night of the, night of the apartment fire last fall was such a, a moment. Uh, uh, the work of the first responders in the midst of this COVID-19 is another. Firefighters and EMT workers uh, can take uh, can take safety precautions, but they can't stay home. Not until they themselves are infected. Until that point, they must be on duty and ready to deal with as many maladies of life that refuses to stop so that we can deal with COVID-19. Cars still flip over. People still get trapped in tight spaces. Children still get sick. Houses still burn. These situations call for brave men and women who by virtue of their job cannot practice social distancing, even as their families do, uh, and, their and, and, and there lies the great trade-off. As in the case with our nation's brave doctors, many firefighters and EMT uh, re return to their families every morning after having been up all night responding to usual house fires, gas links, and traffic accidents. Uh, as of this writing, most firefighters are coming home to families uh, in, in deliberate isolation families that until daddy and mommy come home, we're safe, relatively safe. For the past two weeks, my three sons and I have been able to shut ourselves off from the outside world and from the coronavirus, but we can't shut ourselves off from, the da from daddy. Uh, daddy is the exception. Daddy is the victor or vicar. Uh, to put it to put yourself in a situation such as this, a decision of all responders and their spouses must be made early on. In our case, my husband and I knew when he signed up for the job that the medical 
needs of complete strangers often would come before our own needs in our family. Last year, my seven-year-old gashed his head open on a metal coffee table requiring six stitches at a local urgent care. My husband was on duty. I, I recall my, some grumbling and a little self-pity as I loaded my kids into the car. That particular evening, Daddy uh, was helping another child, a toddler who was having trouble breathing. The child needed him more. Right now, the people who need my husband and others like him the most are the sick, the elderly, and the weak in our community. They need a man and a woman who doesn't realize how uh, heroic it is Amen. They don't realize the sleep, the sacrifice, the worry, and the stress they live under. And now the potential of bringing home this deadly disease. My husband told me years ago that he wants to be one, one who helps someone uh, on their worst day. He made this decision because he cares about people, all people, from the junkies passed out behind 7-Eleven at 3 a.m. in the morning and a daughter who calls frantically on the phone trying to express her mom is in a burning house. Everyone together, he and I have made a silent decision to put others first. But this is the reality of COVID-19. I have forced, I, it has forced uh, us all to, to engage in the most sickening, heart-wrenching of all. The choice is simply, amen, put others before us. And it goes on and on, but this lady's telling the story about a husband and herself who made a decision early on because he's a, an emergency first responder worker. Listen, others are going to be before us. We're putting others before our own personal needs. Uh, and this is a picture of the two of the three men in our text this morning. These men are putting others before them. So with that in mind, let's go to our text, Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two, uh, two gained two more also. But he had received the one, went and dug in the ground, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought uh, five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, for you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. You enter into the joy of the Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, uh, you delivered to me two talents. I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 24. Then the one who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, not my coming. I would have received them back with my own, 
with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Verse 29. Now for so everyone who has, more will be given, and to him who has an abundance. Uh, but from him who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast in a profitable servant into outer darkness, where there will be gnashing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning. God, I'm asking you, God, to speak to every heart, minister to every life this morning. God, I do not come in my own strength and talent, wisdom, God, but I depend and trust on you. In you, God, I'm asking you to breathe on this word, God, touch every heart, uh, minister by your power, God, give us dominion, God, I pray, speak, uh, help us understand servanthood this morning, uh, God, help us understand our duties as a Christian, God, we give you all the praise and glory, and God, people say amen. I preach this morning, if you're taking notes, I'm real Servant, a real servanthood this morning. Look first to call. Verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Jesus uh, is coming to an end in his ministry. We know soon he will be crucified, put in the tomb, he'll be raised on the third day, and he will ascend to heaven. He knows that's coming. Uh, and Jesus is preparing his disciples for when that happens, uh, uh, his disciples will be able to carry on this work. In verse 14, he tells them a story about a man traveling to a far country, but really he's telling the story of himself. He's getting them ready. Listen, I'm going to go, uh, and when I go, I'm leaving you in charge. And when I leave you in charge, uh, and begins to tell them this story uh, to help him. So up to this point, Jesus taught him how to pray. He showed them how faith works. He has parted into them kingdom vision. Uh, he showed them the difference between religion and relationship. Uh, and here in our text, he is pressing upon the importance of duty and sacrifice. So again, Jesus is leaving uh, here really soon, but he's making sure, listen, his disciples get it. They're not just going to have church. They're just not going to live life, but there are certain things that need to be in place and things they have to do uh, if the work is going to carry on, the church is going to be a powerful work. So to keep this work going and going strong, uh, we first have to realize uh, that we're servants. The Bible said he called his own servants and delivered them his good. Now a servant is one that performs duties, tasks, services, functions uh, that arise from that position no matter what the weather is like. No matter what disease pandemic is out there, a servant uh, is one that performs them duties. Does the task, does the services, the function, uh, as they arise, no matter what else happens in life, they're a servant. They're there to do that duty. Uh, Psalm, or, or Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. And to, uh, with the bishops and deacons, greet or grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing to the Philippians, but he identifies himself and Timothy as bond servants. Now, this bond servant goes further than servanthood. Uh, Paul is uh, uh, reaching back to a place in Exodus 21, uh, uh, and it says this, but if he plainly says, I love my master, I will not go out free. Uh, and what would happen... Uh, as a servant that was raised in that house, his, his time is, 
His debt has been paid. He can go free. Uh, but he would go to the master of that house and listen, I love working here. I love the duties. I, I've got family here now. I want to be a bond servant. That master would take him to the door of his house uh, and bore a hole in his, his ear and put a ring in that. And that would be a sign. Uh, this is a bond servant. He's more than just a servant now. He is, he is, bond, is a bond servant, one who willfully uh, uh, says, listen, I'm committed fully to this household, to this, these duties, uh, and, and this is the sign of my commitment. Paul is saying, I willfully serve, willfully commit my life, willfully surrender everything uh, to fulfill my duties as a servant to Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.8, he says, I've suffered the loss of all things. Uh, count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So Paul says, listen, uh, me and Timothy, we're servants. We're beyond servants. We're bond servants. doesn't matter, again, the weather, the seasons, uh, the pandemics. Uh, we are servants. Not, uh, not, only, uh, uh, not only is this the language of Paul, but we see this is the language of all servants. James 1.1 1, 1. says, James, is, uh, the bond servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes, uh, which are scattered abroad, greetings. Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Simon Peter, a bond servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those who are obtained like precious faith. Jude 1, uh, 1, Jude, uh, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to those who are called and sanctified. Uh, so all these men uh, are identifying themselves as bond servants. We willfully uh, have put our ear to the door and willfully allowed God had put a mark on us where you have surrendered life, uh, surrendered everything to fulfill our duties as a servant of God. Let me ask you, what do you call yourself? One of the problems I'm seeing in our generation is that bond servant and servant is too strong of a word. These are too strong of a word in Christianity today. We'd rather, uh, we like words like, I'm a Christian. I'm a church member. I'm even a disciple, but not servant. Especially not bond servant, because servant means I'm totally committed uh, to duty. I have a surrendered life. I'm willing to sacrifice, lay it all down uh, uh, to see the church grow, to see God glorified. Uh, and, and many people don't want that. So, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a church member, but they don't want to go to servanthood because servanthood this morning... Uh, Commits you to duty. Doesn't matter how you feel. Uh, doesn't matter what the circumstance of life are. There's duties to be performed. Uh, and like this uh, uh, emergency response worker, listen, I have to rise and go. The family has to. The family feels the sacrifice. Again, uh, she tells the story. My my son uh, cracked his head open. Blood's running everywhere. I have to respond uh, because my my husband's under duty. He's doing something. Uh, that he had signed up for, and he, but what about you and I? What about Christians? Do we take it as a duty this morning? See, the sad truth is, this morning, more Christians are committed to career and to self more than they are to God. They will follow their career around the world, but when it comes to the will of God, uh, God's just going to have to understand. Because if I'm going to get what I want, that requires me to be faithful to me. If I were to get what I want in life, uh, then uh, listen, I'm going to have to just be a Christian, not a servant. See, servanthood has a language. Just like faith has a language. I love to get around people that have faith. Uh, 
Because there, there's a language, or I'm believing God. God's moving. God's helping uh, uh, Pastor Howard sermon this morning. Uh, that's, that's faith language. Amen. Uh, just like love has a language. Amen. Uh, 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 listen, servanthood has a language as well. And that's the language of duty. John 13, 4. Jesus arose from supper and laid aside his garment, uh, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, wiped them with the towel which he, had, which, which he was girded, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, so I am. If I then, your, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, so ought you to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do, as I have done to you, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sends him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, it's one thing to know uh, I need to be a servant. I need to, to labor. I need to rise to duty. I'm just not uh, a Christian where I just get to come and hear the word of God uh, and say good sermon, bad sermon, however you want to say it. But, uh, but I'm here for duty. I'm here for duty. I'm a servant of God. Uh, and Jesus said, if you know that, uh, good. But if you do it, that's where you're blessed. Because a lot of people know duty. A lot of people, uh, uh, you know, sign up for things, but they're never going to do it. You know, I could have read a bunch of stories. I'm online reading all these stories. These first responders, their wives are telling the story. Their children are telling stories. But uh, I didn't have time to do that. But... It's, it's, a, it's stories that duty after duty after servanthood, uh, what we're called to do. Uh, I mean, the sacrifice, uh, all the, the prices paid, and with a smile on their face. Look secondly at the work here in our text. Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to their, uh, their ability, and immediately he went on a journey. You know what's great about laboring in the house of God, the will of God, is we don't have to rely on who we are completely. <laughs> God invests in our lives. God gives us talents and ability that what he's called us to do, uh, whether that be something great, five talents or something small, one talent, uh, whatever he's called us to do, he's equipped us to do it. Amen. He's given us the talents, the abilities, the know-how, the giftings, uh, we can rise and do that. Now, one of us can say this morning, uh, I'm not equipped. God didn't give me the talent, the ability to do what he called me to do. That's not true. Uh, and the calling comes equipping this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 11, he himself gave uh, some uh, to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, uh, others pastors, teachers, equipping for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, God gave gifts of healing to some, to others gifts of help, to others gifts of ministration, uh, and to others various tongues. So God has equipped us. When God calls, he equips. Uh, uh, we don't have to just go on our own talent and wisdom and know-how, but there's an anointing from God, a grace on God. Uh, from our text, he gave some five, some two, and one one. Uh, God gave them something to work with. And God always does that. He gives us something to work with. Our text is about two workers uh, faithfully laboring and doing uh, 
what they were called to do, and by that they caused increase. One that received five talents uh, said, listen, you gave me five to work with. Uh, I've worked at, and I've gained five more. The one had two. You gave me two. Uh, I worked at, and I've gained two. Uh, amen. And that's a truth that applies to every one of us here. When we faithfully labor with what God has invested in us, there's going to be fruit. When you and I faithfully labor with what God has invested into our life, or that's five talents or one, uh, there's going to be fruit from that. Look at the elephant in the room here. The elephant in the room in our text is the man who received one talent and what he did with it. Listen, his talent was just as important as the one who received five. It was just as valuable as all the others uh, because when he failed to use it, Jesus didn't say, hey, just throw it away. But he said, take it uh, and give it to the man who has ten because that talent's still valuable. The talent still needs to be work, worked in the house of God. Uh, it still needs to be used. Uh, if it wasn't of any value, Jesus would say, I just forget it. Uh, didn't mean anything anyway. It's just kind of leftovers. But he didn't say that. It was a valuable gift. Uh, rather, it was just one, uh, however you want to read it, but it was valuable to God. It was needed for the house of God. It was needed for the work. Uh, and Jesus didn't just throw it to the side, but he said, give it to the one who's going to do something with it. See, the question that has to be answered is why did he bury it instead of investing in it? The first answer to that question is uh, he was not a servant. The first two men uh, were servants. Immediately on receiving the five uh, and the two talents, they went to work. Uh, uh, their lives became all about investing and growing the kingdom of God. Uh, amen. A servant will take what God gives them uh, labors in that, works in that uh, talent, that ability for the growth of the kingdom of God. Uh, a servant, uh, joy is seeing what he's doing, uh, the effects of that to see the church grow uh, and see the kingdom of God blessed. That's a servant. So we know this man was not a servant. Uh, he was part of the, uh, the workforce. He was there. He was called. Uh, he appeared to, to be a disciple without being one. He appeared in the lineup, but he wasn't really in the lineup. Two, he's all about self. We see this in the words that, uh, that he spoke to Jesus, verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you'd be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there it is. Uh, have what is yours. Now, let's break this down. Anybody that knows Jesus would never come to that conclusion. Anybody that has a relationship with God, anybody that knows anything about the Lord, amen, you've been, you have a relationship, you know Jesus to any degree, you would never come to that conclusion. You never say, Lord, uh, here, just take what's yours. Uh, uh, you, you didn't really want, want me to have it anyway. Two, his conclusion tells us something about himself. The selfish people are always bitter, angry, uh, and blaming. See, the truth is he didn't value what God was doing uh, and what God invested into him. Uh, he didn't value the gift. He didn't value the talent. Uh, he didn't value this treasure that God invested into him. Uh, uh, that because it, the, he loved himself more than he loved God. You know, selfish people never take responsibility. They always blame. 
God, the reason I'm not doing well, it's your fault. Uh, you gave me just one talent. You could have gave me five. Notice that. It's always selfish people always blame, never take responsibility. Uh, yeah, I need to repent. No. God, it's your fault. I don't want to waste all of our time talking about the one when we can talk about the two this morning. Because they did an incredible job of what God had invested into them. They took what God invested. Let me highlight just a few things about these two men. One, uh, they heard the call and became a laborer. But also they went out and traded. Uh, they heard the call. God spoke to them. Remember, this is a critical moment. Jesus is getting ready to go off on a journey and He's telling the story. He's telling the disciples, listen, you've got to hear uh, what I'm saying here. You've got to hear this call because how you hear it uh, and how you respond to it is going to determine everything else. So one, uh, they heard the call. They took what uh, was invested in them, went out and worked it, traded it, worked. Uh, and, that's, and the second thing, they were hard workers. They made another five talents. Uh, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, just... Uh, you know, satisfied with just a couple things. Uh, they were hard workers. And it's good to be a hard worker in the church. Not just doing what we have to do, but going beyond what we have to do. Uh, we see new converts come in, not just shaking their hand, but invest in them. Help them uh, live for God. Sit down with them in a Bible study. Uh, invest your life into them. Work hard for them. Three, they were accountable men. Wasn't just doing their own thing. So they received five and two talents. Uh, they said, Lord, you delivered to me five and two. Look, I have gained enough. They were accountable. Amen. What, they're what they were laboring in, the increase they got, uh, uh, they were accountable to the Lord. Uh, we have to be accountable men. We need to be accountable in our ministry. Uh, I love it when guys and, and sometimes ladies call me in the church to pass I'm I'm stuck here. I'm laboring here. I'm giving my, what, what do you think here? What they're saying, I'm accountable. I want to know how I can grow this even more, what I can do to make it more prosperous uh, and effective. Uh, they're accountable. Listen, you've got to ask yourself, are you a servant this morning? Are you here for duty or are you just here? It's a real question. Are we here to rise to do the job, whatever needs to be done, uh, or we're just here to hear a sermon this morning. Because Jesus is talking to servants here. And if we're going to grow the kingdom of God, if we're going to grow the church, if we're going to be effective in the house of God, we have to be servants. Like this lady's telling the story of her husband. Uh, he rides, you read the full story. Uh, uh, you know, he's rising at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. Whenever he gets that call, he's going to rise. He's called to duty. He signed the paper. Uh, I will commit myself to whatever you need. What's your attitude in the house of God? Don't call me. Come on. Don't rely on me on that one, Pastor. Don't put that weight on me. Don't ask me to do that. Are you a servant or are you a church goer? Look, lastly, here's the reward. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five other talents, saying, Lord... You delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five talents besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. That will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Uh, who had received the two, the same thing. Amen. The truth that we can't miss here 
is that God rewards servanthood and faithful labor. Amen. God rewards that. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, when we're laboring for God, uh, we're, we're faithfully laboring. God rewards that. One, amen, we're rewarded with the words uh, of our Lord. Listen to what he said here. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. What an honor it would be to be called good and faithful servant by the Lord. Well, God looks at our life and God highlights uh, us, uh, looks us in the eyes as good and faithful servant. Uh, not just church goer, not just, uh, oh yeah, you're the one I gave something to. No, but servant. You've rose to duty. Uh, you've done a good job here. You've done a uh, well done job. Uh, uh, you're not just pushed your duties to the side, but you've done well. So we're rewarded by the words of the Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if anything greater than that. And we always use the, the thing, hey, when we get to heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank God for that. But what about now? What about now? Can God speak to you in prayer? Can God speak to you through someone? Uh, well done, good servant. Two, he rewards us with more. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. It's interesting. Take the one that has one and give it to the guy who has ten. There's a little complaint. Hey, he already has ten. Uh, yeah, but I know he's going to do something with it. Amen. Those who, Pastor Mitch always said, the, uh, the most tired uh, workers in the world get the most uh, work done. If you want something done, he said, give it to the guy that's already working 60 hours a week at his job. Because them are the people that know how to rise and make something happen. Uh, uh, to those who already uh, have, uh, uh, more shall be given, he says. Uh, there's a principle in the kingdom uh, where God sees you doing well with one thing. Uh, he's going to give you some other things. And this is not burdensome. It's not, oh my gosh, another thing. Uh, there's a joy involved in this. And three, we're rewarded with this joy, enter into the joy of the Lord. You know, the reason a lot of Christians don't have any joy because they're not laboring anywhere. Church is a drag. It's a burden to get with anybody. It's a, it's a you know, oh my God, here we go again, because you're not laboring anywhere. So part of the reward is to enter into the joy of the Lord. Uh, listen, there's a joy in the labor. Uh, what you know, even in the natural sense, when you're working uh, all the time, there and you see the fruit of that. You see, there's something coming out. There's a joy in that. Uh, the same in the house of God when you're involved in a labor somewhere, where you're giving yourself to something, you're rising up to a duty, you're responding, meeting indeed. Uh, there's a joy in labor. You know, farm when a farmer's tilling his field. I grew up in Kansas. I've seen this firsthand. I've seen farmers rise early just for moving rocks and debris out of their field. They're, they got the tar tiller uh, tilling that ground up and the smoke the, or the dust and the dirt is in the air uh, and they're physically going behind that and they have workers taking you know, the rocks and sticks and debris, whatever got in there. But uh, what keeps them going? During a long time of seeding, uh, so, you know, you see them out there a lot of times. They start in the morning... Uh, they have their headlights on way into the night. Uh, they're seeding. Uh, what keeps a farmer going in them conditions? What keeps him energized? I believe it's because he knows harvest is coming. And listen, when harvest comes, man, when them fields grow, uh, you're seeing farmers standing out by his field just looking 
over his field. There's a smile on his face. Uh, there's something about the harvest, amen. There's something about uh, the further labor that makes you joyful. It puts a smile on your face. At harvest time, all the long hours and sacrifices uh, are covered with joy. And I believe it's the same thing in the house of God. Uh, uh, what covers uh, the sacrifice, the long hours, the labor, is the fruit of our labor. You know, when you see somebody come in and get saved to make it, we see somebody making right decisions, we see these new converts, uh, uh, not just coming here, but they're hitting the altar, they're coming to the outreach, they're doing different, there's a joy in that. You know, work's not easy, is it? Not supposed to be easy. Most work is filled with challenges, sacrifice, and long hours. There's heartache and disappointment involved, uh, but you get your paycheck. You forget all about the hard work, right? Especially you got some little overtime on it. You got the money to take mom out and get a steak. You forget all about the sweat and the tears because you get the paycheck. You know, the same in the house of God here. Amen. Uh, there's, the reward is much greater than the labor itself. When he, many times when we get the reward, whether that's a reward in your marriage, your children, however that reward plays out, uh, listen, to the joy of that reward is always uh, greater than the sacrifice and the labor. You know, when you're faithful, hardworking, with the talent God gave, there's always going to be a reward. First, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only me, but also all those who love his appearing. Paul's saying, everybody that's involved in what I'm doing, listen, man, one day. I'm telling you, one day, if God puts that crown on your head in heaven, all the labor, the sacrifices, tears, uh, won't matter anymore. So all of us get this. All those who labor, all the, the servants, uh, you need a crown one day. You know, I was reading my opening illustrations about this lady telling the story about her husband, about sacri the sacrifice of the first responder. The truth is there are many other stories that I could have read. And I'm picking through the story to read, uh, and I'm almost in tears. I'm reading some of these stories. Heartbreaking. The losses of some of these first responders, their own home, uh, things they bring home, uh, like the COVID uh, uh, and their own family and all these stories. But they still say, we're, 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 we're bound to duty here. We've got to answer that call. We've got to get up and go uh, because, let me say these words here in closing. He said, my husband told me years ago, they wants to be one of the, wants to be, Help someone on their worst day. He made this decision because he cares about people. All people, from the junkie passed out behind 7-Eleven at 3 a.m. to a daughter who is frantically trying to explain her mother's still in the house that's on fire. You know, the real treasure is people. I mean, how, how do you value people? Because part of our duty as a Christian, as a servant, uh, is to care about other people. God will bring people in. He's faithful. He, if, if we will love them, care for them, and have this attitude, uh, I'm here for them. Let me bring to a close one with this simple question. Are you a servant? Are you bound to duty?
and sacrifice. Real question in that. Let's bow our heads this morning.